Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Stories, untold stories. And to start things off, I've got, uh, I've got three stories for you, short stories, and two are, a tr- are two truths and a lie. So two truths and one lie. And I want you guys to let me know which one you think is a lie. Now, I will say this. A lot of you know me and my life, and so you probably know the answers right away to some of these. So if you can, contain your, um, you know, don't just jump out and say, that's true, something like that. Just keep that within yourself for a moment, okay? Um, I'm sure all of you are thinking about doing that right away. Um, So two truths and a lie. Uh, Number one is the Silver Dollar City trip. I know what you're thinking. This is true. Um, So it started out like this. uh, When I was five years old, I went with my parents to Silver Dollar City, as we did many times growing up as a kid. My mom decided to go into a candle store. That was all the rage back then. I don't know what it was about candles. Uh, there were all these handmade candles at Silver Dollar City. And so, uh, you know, they had whole shops dedicated to them. You could get a candle in every shape and size, every scent that you wanted. Um, But they had these candle shops. And so my mom went inside and she decided uh, to go into the candle store and look around while my dad sat outside. Uh, There was a bit of confusion as to who was supposed to be watching me at the time. And my dad, thinking I was in the candle store, because I wasn't nearby him, uh, with my mom, he decided to go get one of those sizzling meat and vegetable uh, plates. Have you guys seen those at Silver Dollar City? Very good. It's just, just a bunch of meat and vegetables and potatoes and everything you can think of in this massive uh, cast iron skillet. And I know you guys are getting hungry now just thinking about it. Um, but my dad, you know, He's admitted it here in front of all of us, how much he loves food. Um, so it's no surprise he went down uh, to get one of those sizzling meat and vegetable skillets at the food stand nearby. It was only when he came back and my mom came out of the store that they realized the miscommunication. Luckily, I hadn't wandered far, and they quickly found me standing at the baseball bat stand nearby. So that's story number one. Story number two. When Titus and I were young, very young, we were sitting on the couch at our, as our parents got ready for church. My mom had a small pillow with frilly lace and a music box inside with a small wind-up key sticking out the back. Like most young kids, we were restless, goofing off, playing. In the middle of all the fun, darkness fell on that living room as Titus swallowed the wind-up key from the pillow. He started choking, and I dashed to my parents' room as like the hero that I am in Titus's life. I dashed, I think there was a cape flying behind me, and a big T on my chest, not for Titus, but for Timothy. Um, he started choking, and I dashed to my parents' room to tell them what happened. 
Within moments, uh, as my mother swept him up in her arms and took off for the hospital, Titus had started to turn blue. My family, of course, began to pray and enlisted the help of others to pray. Um, on the way to the hospital, the key shifted in Titus's esophagus, allowing him to breathe just enough to save his life. The doctor later said it was only because that key shifted that he survived. Turning blue, such a scary incident in our lives. And then finally, the last story is uh, about a, the, the best birthday ever. I don't remember the year it was, but I do remember I had wanted a camera for my birthday desperately. I'm not sure why I wanted this specific camera, but it had a bumblebee on it, I believe. And maybe I'm wrong, I, I don't remember all the details, but I just remember it was red and white and had a bumblebee on it. Great color choice. Um, it was, a, I, I don't know why I wanted this specific camera, but it had a bumblebee on it and a flash that was nearly as tall as the camera was wide. Very skinny, narrow flash with a wide, skinny camera. So very uh, ergonomical or whatever you want to call it. Just a, a great piece of equipment that I wanted for my birthday. And so, um, but uh, it wasn't the, um, but what made that birthday so special wasn't just the fact that I did actually get the camera, but what made that birthday so special um, was that my mom had planned a slumber party for all my cousins and my closest friends. We woke up the next morning, probably had Grandma Bill's famous pancakes and the uh, Depression-era syrup, uh, which is beloved by many and hated by some from the Northeast. Um, so we woke up the next morning, probably had Grandma Bill's famous pancakes and had a big day planned first we would play basketball at the neighbor's house. Then we would visit our favorite radio station, the Imagination Station at the mall. It may not seem like a very cool birthday, but looking back on those blurry photos I took on the basketball court that day, I remember it as the best birthday ever. So there's the three stories. We've got the Silver Dollar City trip, abandoned while dad went to uh, gorge himself in food at the skillet stand. The wind-up key that uh, Titus being Titus uh, and me being the hero in his life. Uh, the best birthday ever, the, the bumblebee camera and the, uh, the basketball blurry photos. Which, uh, as we go through these, would you say is the truth? Here we go. Two truths and a lie. So two of these stories are true, one is a lie. The Silver Dollar City Trip by a raising of hands who believes that that is the truth? All right, Silver Dollar City. The wind-up key, who believes that that is true? Oh, is it because Titus is so predictable? Uh, the best birthday ever. All right. Well, the truth is, yes, I went to Silver Dollar City many times, but that did not happen at Silver Dollar City. So, the other two did happen. Titus is here as a miracle because of my efforts. And I did have the best birthday ever, which was pretty uh, underwhelming to most, but exciting for me. So, stories are what make up our lives. They're intertwined within the fabric of our lives. 
There's a, a thing called a story circle. Have any of you have ever heard of the story circle? Uh, one of the oldest things um, from, for all of time is that stories are passed down from generation to generation. Oral history is, is one of the most uh, basic forms of communication and history that we can, uh, can express and have expressed over the years. And before we even had written language, there were things that were communicated uh, verbally. But a story circle is something that, that uh, if you can imagine with me, the top of the circle goes, and then um, as you go around the circle, it, it uh, goes throughout the story and the different ups and downs, and then it comes back to a resolution at the top again. So that story looks like this. It's you, or a character is in a zone of comfort, a place of comfort. Um, you see the opening scene of any uh, movie that you can think of, or, or maybe a, uh, a, a novel that you've read, or a play that you've watched, or something, but you see this, a lot of times in our stories, this beautiful picture of comfort and peace. And then you go down the circle, and you go from the, this comfort zone, and you start going downward into need, but they want something. A character is in a zone of comfort, comfort but they want something. And then number three, as you go down the circle, is go, that they enter an unfamiliar situation. Number four, as you keep going down the circle, is that they search and they adapt to it. Number four, or number five, is that they find, they get what they wanted. Number six, coming back around the circle, is that they take, they pay a heavy price for what they've wanted. And number seven, the return, they return to their familiar situation. And number eight, coming back to the top of the circle, they have changed, change. So throughout a story, um, throughout a life, throughout a, a, um, uh, any kind of plot that you can imagine, there's a, the, the most common aspects of story is that we start with something peaceful and, and good and then this life goes through all these ups and downs and, and you get into past that level of the unknown. And you get into that place that um, you are not in your comfort zone anymore and you get out of that area at the top of the circle where you, your life is all predictable and you, can, uh, you know exactly what's going to happen and, and you know all the, the things, you have it all plotted out, your life you have your family at your side. You have your, your, um, your friends and family nearby. You maybe even think of the life of Job, how he started his life. Um, but then as you go through the ups and downs of life and you decide that you want something, whatever that thing is, you slowly get into this area of the unknown, going through and forging a path to try to get what you want, but you're going through it sometimes alone. Sometimes uh, another example in the story circle is that as you go through it, you start to meet someone who is a, uh, who, who is a mentor or something. So a lot of times you'll see in, in, in any uh, Star Wars fans out there, Titus, there's a handful. Um, Star Wars is one that I don't, I'm going to just tell you right now, I don't know anything about most of what's happening in the plots or anything. So um, I'm not a very good judge of all of this, but I do know that it, as Luke Skywalker is trying to um, become a Jedi master or whatever, forgive me if I 
getting any of this wrong. As he's trying to become a Jedi master, he meets Yoda, this unassuming character, this, this character who uh, you would never imagine. I mean, if I saw him in the woods, I'd probably walk the other direction because he's pretty creepy looking, very short. Not, no offense to short people, I'm short, but very uh, odd little individual, but a man of just so much wisdom. I'm not a man, I don't know what he is, but he has so much wisdom, and he has so much wisdom to impart to the hero of this story. And so uh, I saw a, I actually saw, I think it was a gif or a meme or something uh, that said, um, now I know what it was like when Yoda was sitting there as a parent. I know what it was like when Yoda was sitting there hearing all these questions asked him. He just eventually disappeared. <laughs> he just vanished. He just was taken away. <laughs> uh we can, but, but that's sometimes our role in a story is that we are the mentor. We are not the main character in the story, but that we um, have a part to play in some other way that we shape and mold the way that someone perceives the world around them. And so um, we go through all of these, these scenarios and all of these things to tr- tell a story of someone's life or, or something that is of interest. And Jesus was a great storyteller, and actually, I think it's, it's funny because um, a lot of his ministry was just making up stories, and, uh, and so they were called parables, and so there was approximately about, and this number may be here or there, but about 55 different parables or stories of fiction that he told during his time on the earth. It was only here for approximately 33 years and told stories throughout his life. So to simplify it, though, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end to our story. The the one story that Jesus told that that, uh, speaks to this story circle idea is the story of the prodigal son. We see that he had his life, and it was a a beautiful life that he lived, and and he was in the, the, the king's house, the father's house, and he had everything that he could ever want in his life. But then he left it all and went and decided to go and try to, to find some kind of satisfaction through the pleasures of life and through the world that he lived in. He wanted to get out of that world and he wanted to engulf himself into this world. And he did that and he went and he took what his father gave him, his inheritance, and he spent it, all of his money, and he found himself so lost and so far gone. We pray every week for our prodigals in this uh, vase over here. We pray for them because we know that right now that they're in a place where they're lost and they need to find God's, uh, need to find direction back in their life again. But it's a miserable place to be. It's a miserable place to be in that place where, where um, you don't know left from right. Everything is chaotic in your life. And he found himself um, working and sleeping and living with the pigs on a farm somewhere when he could have been living in the father's house and had everything he could ever need. And so he finally returns home, deciding that I would much rather be a servant, as Brother Titus talked about today, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than to be living here. That shows this arc of this character in this story that Jesus told that 
that life, as you go through life, you, you may chase after things and your pursuit of things may be something that will lead you to a place where you find yourself and you don't even understand where you're at and you don't know what you're going through. You, you can't even tell who you are anymore because of where life has taken you. And so what we pursue after starts to define what our story becomes. And so to simplify it again, there is a beginning and a middle and an end, but the big beginning, we can't always control. We can't control where we're at uh, when we start our lives. We can't control the family that we have. We can't always control the people that are surrounding us. We can't control um, where, uh, how we got to where we're at today in the ge geographical location that we live in. Um, we can't control how we came onto this earth. And I've actually often thought about that before. And I, no offense to my ancestors, grandma, but I wonder why they chose Illinois of all places. I mean, there's San Diego, there's, uh, you know, there's Norway, I, there's Sweden, and there's places, beautiful places around the world. Why on earth did they just stop here? And they could have just kept going, but... We're here now, and we're dealt the cards that we're dealt with, and we're making the best of it here in Illinois. But to simplify it, there, we, we can't control um, sometimes what happens at the start of our story. And the end is of the utmost importance. How we finish is so vitally important in our story. But the middle is where we live. And the middle is what defines what our story becomes at the end. And so your beginning doesn't define your ending. Where you start doesn't have to define your ending. But what is in the middle is what matters right now. And the ending is so vitally important. Doubting yourself is a normal part of your story. How many of you doubt yourself day to day? It's normal. You can embrace that fact that it's normal. Disobedience to the will of God is a normal part of the story as much as we hate to talk about it. Disobeying God's leading and guiding in our life is normal. It happens. It doesn't have to define our story, but it does happen. Doubting yourself in your walk with God. Exodus 4, 10 through 14, it talks about the life of Moses. And, and if, uh, if you aren't familiar with what we're gonna, about to read, I'll try to wrap up a little bit. Moses had, um, you know, was chosen by God. He, he, was, um, he was born into, uh, well, he was born in, in, and then was, you know, sent down the river in a basket and the Egyptian uh, uh, family um, of Pharaoh take, had taken him in and he lived this life of luxury, really, in the Egyptian um, ranks and, and uh, decided to leave all of that and I believe was in the pursuit of God's will for his life. And so um, we find Moses now in this story. He has gone through a lot of different things. He actually fleed um, Egypt because he had killed a man. And um, so many things happen in his life already. And it's funny because there's so many uh, individual stories that you could pull out just within one person's life, just a portion of their life, you could pull out so many great, great stories. But we find ourselves at this point in Moses' life, 
and he is having a conversation with God, and God asks him to go to um, where the Egyptians are holding captive his people and ask that he release them, that Pharaoh release God's people, the Israelites. And so he, uh, he's talking to God and he's having this conversation and, and it says in verse 10 that then Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with you. And I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh my Lord, please sin by, thy, by the hand of whomever else you may sin. He's saying, send somebody else. I don't have what it takes to fulfill this mission that you've laid out before me. I'm, doubt, I'm doubting myself today. What you have laid out for me, this plan... I mean, this is a big undertaking. I'm gonna go just walk back in there. First of all, I've killed a man and I'm gonna go back there. I've killed an Egyptian. I'm gonna go back and I'm going to say now just release these people after all this time. So he doubted himself and, and he said, but so the, it says in verse 14, so that the anger, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God was mad at Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well and look. He is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in, your, in his heart. It's important for us to understand that we have weaknesses in our life. And you know, it's okay to doubt ourselves sometimes. You know, God may be calling you to do something different with your life and get out of that, um, just the everyday mundane life that you feel like you're living. He may be calling you out, but you may be telling God all the reasons why it's impossible for you to do it. God is saying, I created your mouth. I created your body. I know the ins and outs of your life. I can use you to do this. But because of his doubt, because of his fear, his anxiety about his speech, God gave him a guide in his life. Aaron the Levite, your brother, to come and help him get through his circumstances. Can I just say that today, through your doubt and through your fear, that God will use the body of Christ to help and encourage you and strengthen you. Amen. So doubting is a normal part of the middle part of your story. Doubting what God has called you to do. Another thing is disobedience. We see in the life of Jonah that he disobeyed God. He ran away from the call of God on his life. He ran and, and did all these things. Now, Jonah's story is a great story. And we love to talk about it and we love to, to tell stories about it and talk about it in Sunday school. And, and you know, there are even maybe, I've even heard of, uh, stories out there where people got swallowed by a whale and they've got spit out. There was actually one recently um, where a man was swallowed, um, said he was, uh, I, don't believe, I don't remember if he was just swimming in the water or what he was doing, but he just said, uh, whale just came and engulfed him and he saw darkness. And luckily he was able to survive that situation. 
But think about that. I mean, the dynamics of that story, what an amazing, I don't think I could write a story like this if I sat down with pen and paper to to write something out. I don't think that I would even ever go there in my mind. That Jonah, a a man of God, uh, fled away from, you know, walked away from God's calling in his life. I mean, if I was to write a story about any of you in this this crowd today, I, I don't think that I would say they walked away from God and they got swallowed by a fish. But what an amazing story that is. However, it's an amazing story because he disobeyed God. You know, I wish that it was a, a great story that he rode a fish to Nineveh because he obeyed God and, and all of that, but it's not that kind of a story. It's a story where he disobeyed God and God had him swallowed by a fish and spit back out. I mean, what a crazy way to live your life and what a crazy story to have. But through all of this, Jonah's life, he, he um, disobeyed God and, and didn't do the will of God. And God brought him back and said, yes, I'm going to bring you back to do the will of God. And, and he finally said, okay, all right, I'll, I'll do it. But even when he did it and he had a word to go speak to Nineveh, to, to that city, he was angry at God. And he, um, you know, he, he was he didn't want to do it. He did it begrudgingly. He came back to the will of God in his life and he did it with a negative spirit and negative heart. And so this is normal. This was a man of God. This is a man who had a track record of, of speaking prophecies and speaking things um, and God wanted to use him, but he, he disobeyed him. And so just because life goes through, you go through this circle of your life and you go through these ups and downs and all of these things doesn't mean that that has to be the end of your story. It doesn't mean that just because you disobeyed and walked away from God that now all of a sudden you're useless, you're garbage, there's no use for you on this earth. But you can have an, a great ending to your story depending on what you do next. And so there are a multiple ways uh, that obviously a story can go through ups and downs. And we even see that there are symbolism. The Bible is such a, a, a powerful book that even uh, today's stories, uh, so many of them uh, mirror what the Bible talks about and use that same um, story. Even the story of Jesus Christ in the Bible is an amazing story that he came from nothing and that um, he came to this earth to save us and that, you know, we expect that in the end, like the, the, the very middle of the story, um, he dies on the cross. Well, that's the perfect storyline. He dies on the cross. So what, what happens next? You know, they, they do that all the time in TV shows and all that. I'm sure soap operas, maybe they pulled this idea from the Bible or something, but um, they always kill off the character right before the episode ends, you know from all the soap operas I've watched over the years. It's <laughs> but these stories, they, they do that as something, as a cliffhanger to keep you on the edge of your seat. And that's what happened to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross right in the middle of the story. His body was put in a tomb. I mean, that, if that's not final, I, I don't know what else is um, to our own mind and our own thinking. Whenever we see that someone gets lowered into the ground and the, and the casket gets shut and the dirt starts to pile on and, and the tombstone is set, 
that's, that's final in our own minds. That's what we think in our own minds is final. But that is the very center of the plot of Jesus' story is that he dies on the cross. And physically, we, we can't understand it, can't comprehend it. So we, we know, obviously, I'm not gonna go through all the details of this, but we know that he rose from the grave and that, and, and that the end of the story is that Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave and lives victoriously and has a place for us in heaven. It says that he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven. So this same storyline, this same story circle of a life coming into this earth um, innocent as a baby, as a child, going through death, hell, and the grave, and coming out victoriously on top. What a beautiful story that is. But there are so many different ways that a story like that or our own personal stories can end. There's a lot of different endings to stories and you've probably heard it or seen it before and um, I'm sure it's been the most frustrating thing for you to see the hero die and the story ends. What a sad story that can be. What a sad ending where we have so many things left unresolved and so many things left unfinished. And there's six different story endings. Number one is the resolved ending. It leaves no questions. Now, I know we're living in the story right now of our own lives, and we're living in the story of the Bible right now, and Jesus' story, we're living it right now. And that yes, we could say that right now, as of now, as of today, there are some things that are probably unresolved. We've not seen Jesus come back We've not experienced that yet. But there are these different types of endings. The resolved ending leaves no questions. And we believe that that's going to happen, that God is going to come, and that, that, that all of this is going to be answered. All the questions are going to be answered. But there's another story, and that's the unresolved ending, left with unanswered questions. This one's the most uneasy and unsettling for ourselves. Number three is the expanded ending. Maybe he jumps into the future as the story continues and we see maybe even a life, um, a new fresh start and something beyond. Um, sometimes the story ends with, with a, uh, a chance to tell another story. Number four is the unexpected ending. Those are my favorite most of the time. It's the unexpected twist and turns that wraps it all together. And so in that unexpected ending is the plot twist, the shock, or the surprise that leaves you just baffled and amazed. I would say that even Jesus coming back and uh, coming back to this earth would be an unexpected ending by the world's standards. The plot twist that he died on the cross, but that he comes back. Number five is the ambiguous ending, open for interpretation. Those are also extremely frustrating because in those stories, it leaves us with questions, more questions than we have answers in life. And then the tide ending, or also known as the hero's journey, as we talked about the story circle, that it's all kind of tied up nicely in a bow and the circle is complete and the journey is ended and it has all been tied up nicely.
And so we have these, we're in this moment right now where we are telling our story through our actions and the things that we do day to day. We are living out our life story right now. We could even say that maybe you're writing your obituary right now. And so through all of this, through every up and every down, the most important thing is how we end it and how we bring this thing back to to the beginning again and what we've learned in the process throughout the way and all the mentors in our life that have talked to us and taught us things along the way. You know what we learn from those tough times? We learn so many things as we come back to the end. We learn so much through the failures we've made. We learn so much through the mistakes that we've made. And you know, I look at the, the life of, uh, of Moses and, and he had pulled the children out of Israel and they, they had finally um, accomplished that mission. But they lived their lives spinning, spinning their wheels in the desert, just going through uh, so many ups and downs and never seeing the promised land. It says that the next generation saw the promised land. So many of those that came out of Egypt never even saw that promised land. And in Hebrews 11, one through three, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, or the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And this story in um, this passage in Hebrews goes on in verse um, chapter 11 and verses, uh, I'm going to skip around here a little bit, but this is known as the hall of faith. The hall of faith. These are stories that have been told. These are lives that have been lived, actions that have been taken that created great stories. Noah, in verse seven, says, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not as seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness, which is by faith. Verse eight, Abraham, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he could after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise and in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. Sarah, in verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child she was, um, when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised Abraham, again, in verse 17, 18, and 19, says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham is a perfect example of, a, of so many stories within a story. 
So many plot lines, so many different twists and turns throughout his life and different things that have happened within his one short lifetime. But I tell you what, what Abraham did, and that was he obeyed the leading of God's voice in his life. He didn't um, you know, disobey as some did, but he just continued to stay fast, steadfast with God, the leading of God's voice. Moses, in verse 23, says, it says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months from his parents because he saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was uh, come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 29 says, but by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. These are all stories of people who took action. These are all stories of people who followed after the leading of God's voice, even in the midst of, of um, uncertainty and doubt in ourselves. And even though we disobey at times, still continuing on in obedience to God's word. It's never too late to get it right. It's never too late. And then it says, kind of wrapping up that passage, it says that we don't have enough, um, basically saying we don't have enough time to tell all the stories of faith. It says in verse 32, and what shall I more say for the time would fall, uh, would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of uh, Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to, fly, uh, turned to flight the enemies of the aliens. Verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of, of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and of imprisonment. 37 says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. 38 says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves on, of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Amazing stories, terrifying stories, stories of persecution, stories of, of uh, mockings and scourgings and stonings. We're hearing about all this right now in the news. We're hearing about the stories of Christians in the news right now that are being beaten and killed for what they believe. And can I just tell you today, I was reading a little bit um, in, Psalm this past, in Psalms this past week, and I was thinking through everything that they were talking about, for every word that was mentioned in Psalms about um, that, that God is um, victorious and that my enemies will be defeated and all of these things was written in the Middle East, 
during the kind of persecution that's going on right now. This wasn't um, North American families writing this text that says, um, God is victorious, I, I'm going to win over the, the enemy that has tried to keep me down and, and all the bills that I've got and all the, the things that are going on in my life. And not to downplay our own problems here, but when you look at it in comparison to the stories that have been told around the world by Christians who have lived out their faith in the midst of persecution, it's sobering to think of it. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, wherefore seeing, and this is after, right after that passage, Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Think about that word weight. Laying aside the weights that beset us, the sin which doth so easily beset us, now, they were talking about different kinds of weights, I think, than we can even imagine. They were talking about things that were pretty heavy in this passage. But what is your weight today? And what is the sin that's in your life that's so easily besetting you? And that, that process of going through and, and not getting out of that, um, that area of your life, that area of your story where you become victorious over the enemy, what is it that is compassing you about, that, that is surrounding your, your life? It says, wherefore seeing we are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all those men and women that went before us that, that did all of those great things. I believe that Grandpa Sheets is part of that great cloud of witnesses. I believe that my friend Anthony Trimble is a part of that great cloud of witnesses, that Sheila Heil is a part of that great cloud of witnesses, Tina Heil. All of these people who have gone before, who have passed on from this life, are cheering us on and saying, set aside those weights, set aside that sin, which besets you and run with patience, or that word patience means endurance. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. We still have a lot, hopefully, a lot of time left to go in our lives. But God forbid that something would happen to us and, and our lives would be cut short. But, but the, the rest of the way that we have left, we have a choice to make to run the race that God has set before us with endurance, not giving up in the middle of your circumstance, not giving up in the midst of the trial, but giving everything to God and running with endurance the race that is set before you. And it says here, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, those words author and finisher, it's saying it, it refers to someone who has gone before. When you look at it in the Hebrew text, it, it means someone who has gone before, someone who has done this already. Jesus, the one who has, has 
been there at the beginning and has, has ended well. Um, he is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I bring this to a close. I was um, in my office last night and studying, and you know, when I was a young, uh, I'm still young, but when I was a younger man, and I was a youth pastor for a little while, um, I thought it was a great idea to put newspapers on my wall in my office, and I thought it was pretty cool, and I got a lot of compliments on it. It was like newspaper wallpaper, and, you know, it looked pretty cool. If you've gone past it any time recently, you'll see that a lot of it's peeled off, is being peeled off currently. Um, and it's funny because sometimes I'll look at that and, and it's a great, it's actually a very good um, uh, stress reliever. If you ever, or, you know, if you have writer's block and, or you're trying to get a message together, you can't think of something, you turn to that wall and you start peeling wallpaper off of it. I'm revealing a lot about myself last night. But that is, um, it, you know, I thought it was, it was cool at the time. And, but since then, I've gone back to that wall many times. And I've, I've looked at a lot of the details that are on that wall. It's a, just a single day, I think, in the life of, uh, of the uh, Alton Telegraph or something. Um, it, it's, a, it's a single day. Um, and it's sometime in November. It was right after Obama was elected, I think. Um, at least that's what I've, from what I can read on the, on the wall. So it was right after the election, and you know, there's there's a picture of Hillary on the wall, and and it says uh, says there's like a comic, a political comment on there or comic on there, and it says um, it says sure they give the secretary job to a woman, because I think she was secretary of state or whatever she was. <laughs> so it's got you know it's got a lot of old funny humor in it, but one thing I looked at on that wall last night was obituaries from that day on November 28th. And I, I don't know all the stories, and I, actually I thought about reading some of them, but they were upside down on the wall, and I'd peeled half of it off. So I was like, I'll just, yeah, I'm not going to read their stories. But, but I, I did think that every single day, someone's passing from this life. Someone's leaving behind their legacy. Someone has lived their life the way that they chose to live it. They've gone through the ups and downs. Maybe they lived for God, maybe they didn't. And, and maybe they ended tragically or maybe they ended triumphantly and maybe peaceful in their bed. But those stories, those, those names, one right after the other, pages filled with them in a single day, makes me think, and reminds me of how precious that life really is. And it reminds me that what am I doing today that's writing my story? What am I doing today that could affect how I end this life? I tell you what, I wanna live, I wanna, I wanna go to heaven. More than anything, I wanna go to heaven. I wanna be in, in the place that God prepared for his people. That is the, that is the beautiful, um, beautiful ending to the story is that Jesus goes to prepare a place for us. That throughout all the chaos and all the, the, the mess in our lives and all the, 
the, the relationship failures and all of the, um, all, all of the mistakes that we've made throughout our life, God goes to prepare a place for us. It's a surprise ending to the world. It may be a surprise to the world on that day when the rapture takes place and Jesus calls us home, but it's not gonna be a surprise to us. It's gonna be a different kind of ending for us. But it, it saddens me to know that, that there's a world out there that could be lost for eternity. I mentioned my friend, uh, Anthony Trimble, just passed away recently, he was my age, had a, a wife and kids. And I just saw, I saw a video the other day. And it was just a video of him singing to his kids, singing with his kids. And I can't even remember the song he sang, but it was one of our popular worship songs that he was singing. And it hit me in the gut to make me think, what am I doing right now? What am I doing today that's gonna leave a lasting impact on the world around me? Finally, these last two verses say in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, it's Paul's testimony um, that he, he says leads others to salvation. In verse 15, it says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to have sinners of whom I am chief. He's not trying to sugarcoat it. He was a great man of God, started great churches all over the world, did so many great things, but he's saying, Jesus Christ came into the world to have sinners of whom I am chief, howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern or a testimony of them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He's saying that I am a sinner, that I've made mistakes throughout my life. I've done so many things wrong. Paul, of all people, stood by as Christians were persecuted and stoned, as Stephen was stoned. He, he himself persecuted the church. He was one of those ones that, um, as we hear in the news, was persecuting and killing Christians, stoning Christians overseas. But he had the understanding and it had come to a point in his life where, where all of that stuff in the middle didn't matter as much as it did how he ended his life. That he ended strong. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me, first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern or a testimony of them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. It was Jesus Christ, it was his life combined with the life of Jesus Christ to tell a story that was so much greater than him. And then finally in Galatians 2 and 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. This is again Paul speaking. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. 
Sometimes it takes death to remind us to live. Sometimes it takes the death on the cross to remind us to live. Those pictures, those stories on the wall last night, they reminded me that life is precious. That video that I watched of Anthony singing with his kids as his kids raised their voices and sang with him, beautiful songs of worship. He was a worshiper. He was a songwriter. He wrote many great songs, but he lived his life in a life of worship. And through it, he's impacted so many people around the world. There were people that left that service and felt inspired. I I left his funeral, his celebration of life inspired to live differently, my, my life differently. And so sometimes it takes death to remind us to live. Can we stand all over this place and close our eyes and begin to talk to God in our own way? Jesus, God, we've not done everything right. God, we've made mistakes along the way. God, we've failed so many times. We've been disobedient to your plan. We've been disobedient to your word. God, we've walked away from you. God, we've lied. We've, we've cheated out friends and family and in business. God, we've done things terribly wrong in our lives. We've done so many things, God, that we're not proud of, God, things that, we're, that are really disgraceful in our lives, God. And if people were to know about them, God, we would, we would feel so uneasy with, with the truth that's, that's, that's living inside of us. And God, there's so many things that we could point to and say, we're not worthy of your cross. We're not worthy to live our lives in, in conjunction with you. We're not worthy to represent you here on this earth. But God, take that brokenness. Take those things, God, that this life that I've lived, I know it's a great story. I know that it, it has a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns throughout it. But God, take it and let me finish strong. God, take every bit of, of life that I've lived, God, and let it be a testimony of your great grace and your great mercy and your great power, God, in my life. Jesus' name. I'm gonna open these altars up. And I know that we all go through so many different things and we're all in different stages of life in our walk with God. And if you wanna find a place at your pew or if you wanna come to this altar and pray today, it's important today that we just take a next step toward the cross. Because all the past and all of the stuff in our lives doesn't matter as much as what it does, what we do here today. The past that we've lived, the things that we've done, the mistakes that we've made. Even the best of Christians made horrible mistakes. Even the greatest of prophets and the greatest of ministers and the greatest leaders in the Bible failed miserably. But so many of them, as that cloud of witnesses, tell us, drop those weights, drop the sin, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's what, what's worth it is that you finish strong and let Jesus Christ be the author and the finisher of your faith. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Can we pray right now? All over this place. Jesus.